Hello and welcome to What a Scream, the horror movie podcast where I, your host, Egrain, chats with a special guest every week about horror films. And in particular, we talk about two horror films that have to do with a subject that I've previously randomly chosen. This week's episode is all about sports in horror, which um, can be quite vast, I guess. There's very few films that focus directly on on a sport, uh, which I guess is something myself and my guests will be chatting about. So my guest this week is Peter Dunn, and together we are chatting about two films that in some way or another have a sport involved uh, in, in to some degree. Um, so we are talking about 1998's The Faculty, directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by Kevin Williamson. And we are also talking about All Cheerleaders Die, the 2013 film directed by Lucky McKee and Chris Siverston. Uh, so enjoy. So I am very happy to welcome to the podcast for the very first time, Peter Dunn. How are you? Very good, thanks. And I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for coming on. Um, so would you like to just introduce yourself and let listeners know who you are and what you do? Yep. So I'm Peter Dunn. I'm a writer, producer, event creator. I think the thing that would that is uh, got me onto this lovely podcast is my own podcast, which is called Petrified. So it's um, a horror anthology uh, series, kind of, as we say, set in the darker Ireland. So we've just wrapped up our toured series mm-hmm. um and we've had yeah so we've uh we've had like people like larry fessenden on like the filmmaker we have cecil baldwin from welcome to night vale so it's all kind of horror stories with an irish twist but as well as petrified i would write um horror for theater and i kind of make weird um weird experiences like uh liam and i who liam garrity who's the producer of petrified he and i did um a fake audio tour of Dublin where we got people to listen to this tour and walk around the city, but we told them untrue ghost stories because the the, <laughs> the hope was that tourists might come over and listen to these untrue ghost stories and then go back to their homes and like say, you'll never guess what happened in Dublin. And then these like urban legends would spread. Um, so did that. And then, um, yes, yeah, so theatre work as well. And right now I'm working on horror comedy show for children to uh to figure out well to kind of like discuss or make like a space for kids to talk about how they deal with fears and trauma so I kind of have a little finger in every horror pie that doesn't sound <laughs> sounds delicious <laughs> i do love a good horror pie um <laughs> it's something we've talked a lot about on the podcast especially perhaps uh our side podcast, Movies, Murder, Mayhem, Me and Ruby, we talk a lot about the darkness of Ireland. Um, But in your opinion, why do you think Irish folklore and Irish culture in general makes for such good horror fodder? I think the thing is that we're such... I think it's that we're such good storytellers. Like, you know, Irish people love telling stories. It's all like, you know, the tales by the fireside and stuff like that. And... um, like the, the Shan Key and stuff and uh, you know storytellers would be celebrated so I think we just have a better probably habit of passing on um uh, creepy tales um I know growing up like I uh, in my family like it was my mom and my nana and all my aunts like they loved telling ghost stories even though we we grew up in like a 
the suburbs, you know, they would still be telling stories about seeing the banshee, like on sitting on the, the a wall down the road or something like that. And so mm-hmm. I think as well, we have still probably a, a connection to folklore and a connection mm-hmm. to stuff like that. And um, the other thing is, I think because, you know, it's only in recent years or decades that we've gotten out from under the foot of the Catholic Church, an awful lot of it would have been fear of God. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you when you're kind of living in this constant state of fear, which the Catholic Church was doing to a lot of people, um, knowledge of horror and knowledge of fear just kind of like seeps into your bones. And of course, we invented Halloween. So yeah, <laughs> <that's the big laughs> one, yeah. yeah it's like, I mean, I've said, I feel like a broken record, but I think it's the reason why something like you are not my mother worked so well is because it showed what actual Irish folkloric life is like that is still like absolutely entrenched in our society. You know, people still hang up Bridget's crosses. They still kind of talk about what to do if you get lost in a fairy ring or, you know, like beware the banshee or beware the puka. It's still very much, even in inner city Dublin, it's still very much part of our, part of our lives. Um, And I think, that film in particular did it really well kind of we're not all like you know rural backwards back-end country folks very much a part of our lives and then if you think of like even you know in the doll like don't the the healy rays they were talking before about like fairy forts and fairy roads (laughs) and like this in like in their place of government and and didn't they divert like they diverted a motorway so they like you know go to the fairy the fairy head bush or something yeah there so, was like a it's like a fairy hawthorn tree or something yeah, yeah something like that um and they were they had to divert a motorway because you don't mess with the fairies oh no <laughs> <laughs> um so how did you get into horror and do you remember what the first horror film was you saw yeah uh, well the way we're saying like with them um, the the kind of you know women in my family that i grew up with they were big storytellers but not only were they big storytellers they loved to the only kind of good story was a ghost story yeah. so you had to people so you know I would have grown up knowing the power of uh storytelling like even some, I remember one of my aunts like um well it was actually my mother's aunt Patsy but you know this, the things she do like um she would when her kids were coming home for lunch she would lie on the kitchen floor and pretend to be dead you know, just to, or or even my own mother, like she'd bring my brother and, and I up to the attic and she'd tell a ghost, and we'd be holding candles and she'd tell a ghost story. And just as it got to the worst part, she'd lean over and blow out the candles. So, you know, so it was this kind of thing. And then um, for horror, for films though, my granddad was a, he absolutely loved Hammer Horror films, loved them. And so I would watched them because I was a bit of a as it seems to be a recurring theme with a lot of horror fans I was a bit of a weirdo a bit of an odd kid <laughs> he would have stayed in a lot and so I would watch all these hammer horror films with him and in a way horror became like a safe space so I would associate being safe or you know being take care of being loved in, in like by watching these horror films and so then you know even after he passed away I would watch horror films to as like a safe space to like kind of feel better. So I kind of had this weird thing where horror actually made me feel comforted. Mm-hmm. But I think that the one, the first horror film that really had an impact on me, I was about six or seven and I saw The Innocents, the 1960s with Deborah Kerr. And um, even though, you know, probably it would have been like 
quite slow for younger viewers, but, you know, seeing, being a child and seeing a child as the monster on screen, like just kind of blew my mind a little bit. I was like, hold on, shouldn't the kids be the goodies and shouldn't everyone be taking care of them? But it was a thing of like that the kids were the things to fear that kind of blew my mind. And then that turned me on to wanting to, frighten people as well and then I wanted to tell the ghost stories that my mom and my aunts were telling so mm-hmm. the instance would have been and it was it was Christmas Eve that they showed it on Channel 4 um, and it was quite late because I also um refused to go to bed the day before Christmas you know I want I, and so my mom was just like be going oh god let him sit up and tire himself out so I watched this late at night on Channel 4 yeah and it just had such a big impact it, it, after that I I became more attracted to like kind of um, horrors that are about mood and atmosphere rather than blood and gore, if you know what I mean. So that that even gave me that made my taste what it is, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I I love the way that horror is a tradition, like horror movies is a tradition in and of itself. Like it's such a it's it's something that spans a lot of co- like countries and a lot of age ranges that you know they've everyone's either got that person that passed it on to them or they are the person that passed it on and funny enough channel four comes up a lot on this a lot of people have been like channel four was my horror education myself included i saw texas chainsaw massacre for the first time on channel four late at night so yeah (laughs) right for channel four well it's right like with with different countries like um oh i did a horror research uh thing quite a few years ago that was funded by the arts council and so Part of it was I, I was speaking to um this lady who was a child psychologist in Canada, her name was Vanessa Lebu, and we were talking about fears and superstitions and where it all comes from because I was going, you know, uh Dublin people would have a certain superstition, but then I was talking to someone from Galway and they would have a completely different superstition. Um, and we were talking about, you know, different countries being afraid of different things and stuff like that. And so, you know, in, in religious countries, you'd have like maybe fear of God or fear of the devil. Um, or then, you know, I'm kind of being a bit cheap here, but like, you know, in colder countries, you might be afraid of polar bears, you know, stuff like this. But but she was saying something that was really interesting. She was saying because of the advent of film and the Internet, the world was getting the same fears all about like globally we were starting to be afraid of the same things because we were watching the same things be that online or be it in the cinema so it's mad the way that like you know in a way horror movies have connected us into being afraid of the same thing so it's it's a weird connection but um uh, the impact that the things we watch as entertainment can have global scale i suppose yeah yeah it's so interesting um okay let's uh begin with our theme I guess which is a strange one um (laughs) it is a very random one that popped up but sure such is the podcast um it's sport um there's (laughs) not much we can really discuss about sport are you a fan of sport (laughs) well I'll say when you when you suggest this you threw me for an absolute loop because I had been I had been looking up uh you know I've been listening to previous episodes you know you had one about you know satanism and then pagan horror and stuff like that and, and I was going oh I wonder and then when I saw sports I, I think I actually said out loud sports so <laughs> but in a weird way for horror podcasts it's kind of fitting because you know growing up I would have been terrified of sports <laughs> same same <Yeah. laughs> what, what I found because like like you when it came up I surprised myself um <laughs> and I was like shit like 
all I can think of is perhaps just depictions of American sports, which is kind of what we've gone for. Yeah. But, you know, like, why isn't there, you know, a cricket themed uh, <laughs> or, you know, like a soccer themed or a football? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I could just imagine perhaps a sport killer. Like, you know, there's so many potential weapons, especially, you know, stuff like hurling here was basically yeah. a war sport and it's like why isn't there more we need to, if, if i was more into sport i'd get on it but i'm not so <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the real maybe that's the problem with everyone i wonder is there a big crossover between horror fans and sports fans that you know never train shall meet but i'm sure there is but yeah. um yeah but so when you said that i was like oh my god what in the name? and so but it, it's exactly what you said i te- i went straight towards mm. american depictions of it yeah um, yeah I've heard this big crossover with wrestling and horror which mm-hmm. I get but there's no like wrestling unless I'm completely wrong maybe there is but there's no like wrestling horrors unless you count like WWE stars going into horror like Kane did yeah. um but yeah so let's start then with your film and your pick um uh, would you like to introduce it and give us a brief synopsis please yes so I picked the faculty Carlin, what are you doing? Just gonna check his prostate. Actually, the surface texture changed, so... I wanna feel it. So 1996, it was Robert Rodriguez directed it. Um, No, sorry, 1998, uh, Robert Rodriguez directed it. It was um, kind of, the script was tidied up by Kevin Williamson, who's famous for Scream. I know what you did last summer, things like that. So it's basically, uh, it's a football, it's a a high school in, in Ohio that's kind of, you know, they celebrate the football team. So, you know, all the other classes are not getting enough funding because all the money's going to get, you know, new outfits for the jocks. See the way I said new outfits? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about sports. New outfits, outfits jazz hands. <laughs> and so it's this, it, it kind of, it, it, there's a few different characters and it's about an alien invasion. People, t- uh, these aliens taking over kids in the school taking over the teachers well the faculty in the school and this kind of ragtag group of teens that starts to suspect there's something on so you know it's the the nerd the jock the loner the beauty queen kind of thing and so it's almost like a breakfast club alien yeah, I was about to say that yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's almost like a breakfast club alien invasion thing where the the teachers are the enemy and then as it goes on it, it has that you know the thing vibe where you don't know who's infected by this creature and who's going to be next and stuff like that um i saw this when i was a teenager mm-hmm. um so when i originally saw this god it was you know, it blew, it blew my mind. I absolutely adored it because I suppose I was the right age at the right time. Um, you know, re-watching it now for for uh, our conversation, I was like, yeah, I can see there's some, I can see there's some problems now that I probably didn't spot before. But all in all, I still thought it was a lot of fun, you know? And so there's there's some great characters. There's the the cast is like, I was watching it going, hold on, Salma Hayek is in this? Mm-hmm. You know, there was loads of, 
big names and it seemed like that they thought it was going to be the next scream mm-hmm. uh like success wise and culturally wise and maybe it didn't have quite that impact but but yeah I still think it holds up to a degree although um maybe six months ago my sister texted me and she said tell me a good horror film to watch with my boyfriend and I said all oh, the faculty haven't not seen it in years and then she sent me a text two hours later going what was that tripe you told me to watch and I was going what but yeah there we go <laughs> I only watched this uh, last year. Um, I did an episode on 90s horror with actually Irish filmmaker Rich Waters. And I was like, you know what? Just going to throw on the faculty just for the crack as well. Um, And I hadn't watched it because I'm not really big into alien horror. Um, And I actually didn't mind it like it was nostalgic 90s, as you said, Scream-esque. Um. It was fine. I think they did. Um, they they definitely did Josh Hartnett's hair dirty, like the worst <laughs> haircut in a nineties film ever. Um, but you know what? It's silly fluff, and I just I, you know it's it's so silly. The ending always gets me because obviously to jump ahead they defeat the queen and then everyone subverts their tropes you know the the footballer dates the goth girl who's not a goth girl anymore because she's happy and apparently goths just need to be happy to not be goths um and you know the the bitchy head cheerleader goes out with the dorky you know elijah wood character so it is so silly like basically the breakfast club like you said um what did you think of the actual creature design I thought it was pretty cool. Like, you know, when it, it there's... So, for those who haven't seen it, it starts off, it's almost like these kind of little... Oh, how would you describe them? Like, aquatic worms mm-hmm. um, that infects people. And so you can see, like, the worms moving under their skin. And um, But then, at the end, there's the big reveal when you find out who's the alien queen, and it turns into this gigantic monster that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it has that... Um, it has that kind of particularly horror mix of like some of its CGI, but then there's a great practical monster at the end. And the practical monster is fantastic. Um, but I, yeah, it's that thing. I think sometimes with like 90s horror creature features, you have to just go, listen, it's going to be CGI. I have to mm. make peace with that. You know, they're they're learning the new rules of special effects and getting rid of all the practical stuff out the window. So taking it for what it was, I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was all right. I thought a lot of it was very, like you said, CGI. It doesn't really hold up when you're looking back now. You know, it's kind of sad that for from the 90s to the 2000s, they were very heavy on their CGI and it doesn't yeah. look as good anymore. Um, I mean, it was it was fine. I It was fine. I mean, I was trying to work out whether they were trying to say something like the whole water, you know, them needing water and drugs saving. Yeah. You know? that was- <laughs> Yeah. But there were things like that. <laughs> there, there were things like that that was nicely tongue in cheek. So just you know, if anyone hasn't seen it, so the whole thing is like um there are these aliens from a different planet who they're they're kind of water based and the seas on their planet are drying up, so they're coming to um they're coming to Earth to take over because we've lost mm-hmm. the water. But then they uh, the heroes find out that um, if you dehydrate them, it'll kill them. So the Josh Hartnett character is a drug dealer and he's, de- is it called Scat? Which is a very, <laughs> the name of the drug was Scat, which we, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be sniffing that, put it that way. <laughs> Mr. Williamson, we need, we need a chat. <laughs> 
But then if you snort this drug, which he said is mostly like caffeine pills, it dries you out. So it is this kind of thing that was that would be unusual for these teen films were like, drugs are good. <laughs> they <laughs> drugs. <laughs> and then there's a then there's a panic where they're like, we're running out of drugs. We don't have much drugs left, which <laughs> drugs. <Yeah. laughs> Don't anyone think of the children. Where are the drugs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and then it kind of ties into a lot of how they how they depicted certain characters would be. Now, I remember even when I was a teenager, I didn't like the Josh Hartnett character at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I was all about Stokely. I was all about, like, mm-hmm. the goth girl. And, you know, she was just the best. Yeah. But uh, even even back then, I was going, hold on a minute. Like, he's a drug dealer who's rude to his teachers. <laughs> he's a bit of a prick. And they're make- and he's, like, kind of the the thing to aspire to, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Like, even, like, you know. He's the hero, yeah. Yeah, and he's smoking on the football field when he takes off his helmet, you know, and stuff like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this film is about conformity and non-conformity? Obviously, it's got a very, you know, invasion of the body snatchers vibe to it. Um, yeah. And it's all about, you know, once you become infected, you become part of the populace, part of the the army of the aliens who are headed by this queen. Um, But do you also think that when they subvert the tropes of what they really are at the end, that they're kind of saying, like, you don't have to conform to your own labels? Yeah, it's, you know, to to use a cheap play on words like alienation, you know, (laughs) so it's literal alienation. And so the, the Elijah Woods character, he's the kind of nerdy photographer he's you know he gets beaten up all the time and so um almost just by process of elimination he's like the last person standing dealing with the Mm. queen and she says to him you know uh on my but this is actually kind of thinking about now it makes me go hmm i wonder did they think about this properly so you know she's stalking him through the locker room and she's saying things like you know in my country there's no pain no fear and you know the the nerdy loner goes home to celebrate by his parents the jock doesn't have to be the jock the beauty queen can be a beauty queen um and so she's kind of saying come with us and like all these feelings will fade away but then in a weird way at the end um when we see you know stokely takes off her makeup and she's like wearing like a nice blue cardigan and stuff like that and then the and you know the the beauty queen who you know was really um bitchy for the whole thing she's dating him and so in a weird way i'm going is this actually freeing who they are inside or are they conforming mm. and did the, and did the the like did the writer actually think you know you're actually showing them kind of conforming to the standard because you know the whole 90s movie thing of you know makeovers like like she's all that mm. oh my god she she takes off her glasses she's amazing you know that's what <laughs> i need i just need to take off these glasses <laughs> yeah all she needs to do is take off the glass and there's that whole thing of like you know the, there was a big thing in those movies about like the makeover scene you know mm-hmm. the, the nerdy girl who gets the makeover and I was like <gasps> and so but isn't it better to have them stay nerds and or stay goths and like let them be successful that way yeah. Um, so it was a I think it was a weird kind of contradiction that I think it's exactly what you were saying um, about you know talking about conformity but then in a weird way the solution the resolution is most of them conform yeah yeah Yeah. I'm trying to work out because obviously Kevin Williamson scream it felt like they as we've said they were kind of trying to do a scream for the sci-fi horror kind of genre but 
I just don't get a tongue-in-cheek kind of um, vibe from it. It feels a bit more serious. So I'm trying to work out whether it was meant to be serious or meant to be tongue-in-cheek. But yeah. I don't think they've quite got the right balance. And you'd wonder as well, apparently it was like a script that was around since the 90s, these two uh, guys whose names I can't remember wrote it. And then after the success of Scream, mm-hmm. um, uh, the owner of Miramax, he who will not be named, yeah. um, just snapping up scripts left, right and centre to try and get the new Scream. And mm-hmm. so when they got it, um, they, they said to Kevin Williamson, do you want to direct it? And he was doing that. Do you remember there's that film Teaching Mrs. Tingle or was it Killing Mrs. Tingle or something? I can't remember it's the one with Helen Mrs. Tingle. Yeah. So he yeah, was saying, I want that. yeah. So he was saying, I want that to be my directorial debut, but I'll give like the script to polish. So I wonder how deadly serious, because it seems like Kevin Williamson would be the one that, you know, would stick in all the funny references or the, mm-hmm. you know, kitschy dialogue and stuff like that so you'd wonder what the original script was like whether it was deadly serious and then they just threw a load of teen jokes in on top of it yeah um yeah i agree with you do you think it's had any sort of legacy or influence in modern horror um because it was so because it contains so many callbacks i wonder i wonder if you were praising that for its legacy whether you'd actually just be going look at all the films that influenced Tomato Wars. Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, at the time kind of going, oh, this is similar to other things. But then watching it recently for our conversation, it was going, oh my God, that's the thing. That's literally the scene at the end of Invasion of the Body Snatchers where the, the female character is like walking naked through the thing and I like, kind of yeah. trying to... And so, excuse me, there was a lot of callbacks to other horror films that I think Kevin Williamson definitely would have shoved in. Um, reading up about it, it, it wasn't terribly well received at the time I think it kind of got middling views and it did kind of okay box office it wasn't the hit that they thought it was going to be but um but there were a few people saying that you know it's had some kind of legacy that you know it's it's considered very underrated for a Robert Rodriguez film mm-hmm. um it was you know the one thing I will say that is going for it um when you think of an awful lot of 90s horror films uh and you have the group of teens that you know die one by one they were very distinct characters like they all kind of had an impact you know there could be in other horror films there would be two people that you don't that make no impact at all they're so watery they just fade away Mm -hmm. so they i think it had a bit of a same as you when i was watching it i was going okay i can see a lot of problems but i still think it's fun i still think it's well worth a watch i don't think it's become the cultural you know touchstone that i'd hoped it was going to be along the lines of scream yeah 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 I, I mean, the only film I can, I'm like, Grabbers. Now, is Grabbers influenced by the faculty? Because I'm seeing Grabbers, we've got water-based aliens who are dehydrated by alcohol. Um, so I'm kind of like, maybe that's, you know, how it's influenced modern horror. Um, but yeah, I really do think it went kind of under the radar when we think about 90s films that have influenced. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to badmouth it because I think it is good fluff. Like yeah. if you know, if you just want to put on something that you're not going to think too deeply about, and you want to listen to a really good soundtrack, because it actually has a really, really good soundtrack. Uh-huh. The uh-huh. opening with the Offspring, I'm just like, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it's just good '90s fluff that you know, like you said, has its problems. But it isn't. You know, sometimes when you look back at like '90s and early 2000s film, you're like, oh dear, 
like oh this is oh this is awful this is problematic like you know how did this ever go back then and obviously there are aspects of it but it's it's not that bad so you can kind of go back in retrospect and be like you know what I'll give this a go for old time's sake so Mm. yes um so I take it you'd kind of recommend it to horror fans yes no I might get burned like the way I said I recommended to my sister and she didn't like it at all. So I suppose, you know, take it with a pinch of salt to my recommendation, but I definitely would recommend it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would, especially for that 90s aesthetic, which everyone mm-hmm. is kind of going for at the moment. Yeah. So. Um, so let's move on to my choice then, which again centres around football players, um, but has a bit more kind of cheerleadery aspect to it. I chose... Uh, all cheerleaders die. All four of you died last night. You don't feel anything about this? Is it our fault chicks can't drive for shit? What did you do? I saved you. I feel freaking fantastic. Which is a 2013 a uh, film directed by Lucky McKee and Chris Sivetston. Um, and it is based around this girl played by Caitlin Stacey, who I actually read an article last night that she has now gone into making ethical and feminist porn. Good for her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> From neighbours to feminist porn. Um, <laughs> so she's very into filmmaking and while recording footage of the head cheerleader who is like her childhood friend she witnesses her terrible tragic death um and it's so funny because her friend is like cheerleading's most dangerous sport out there and then she dies by breaking her neck while yeah. cheerleading um so it cuts to a few years later and maddie has decided that she is now going to become a cheerleader much to perhaps the the behest of her ex-girlfriend who is the goth uh, we must have a goth in these in these films. Um, so she, while she gets in with the cheerleading crowd, it turns out she actually wants revenge on her dead best friend's boyfriend, who has now moved on to another cheerleader. And so she's trying to get revenge on the cheerleaders and the jocks, but they crash a car while being chased by the jocks. And her ex-girlfriend, who is a Wiccan, manages to revive them from the dead using magic stones (laughs) and now they are basically zombie-esque vampire-esque reanimated corpses who must feed to keep their powers and the head jock the head football player wants to take the stones and their powers for himself it's a bit of a mad one isn't it it's a bit of a <laughs> there was a lot going on and it took a while to get there at the same time. Right. <laughs> yeah. It took a while. Did you like it apart from that? <laughs> to be honest, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I hated it. <laughs> oh, in a weird way, like I was because it was such a a, a, a mashup of tones, you know what I mean? Yeah. So some of it was the the as you were saying like the head cheerleader at the start you're kind of going it's going to be that kind of bitchy fun bring it on kind of vibe and then it gets really disturbing with like male violence against mm. cheerleaders and then it goes with the magic stones unfortunately because of just the way they were glowing the first thing that came to mind was power rangers you know <laughs> and, so, and then it gets and then it's you know is it subverting 
these sexist tropes or is it also exploitational at the same time? Mm-hmm. So it was just like this kind of mm, melange of different things. And I was actually surprised that it was, what's the name, Lucky McKee that did it yeah. because May was fantastic. Yeah. And so when when I was, when I watched the film, I looked back and I went, he did it. Yeah. So there was, there was a lot going on and I don't know if they stayed in the same I don't know if this this meshing together of tones worked for me. Yeah, I'd be the same. I I love May and I love uh, the woman as well that Lucky McKee has also done. So I was I was like, okay, this is a Lucky McKee film. It's going to be really good. And then I felt it was just where we said the faculty was good fluff. I feel like this is bad fluff. Um, <laughs> and it was just it was just too much. There was too much oh, stereotypes that were trying to subvert stereotypes, but just ended up enforcing these stereotypes. I agree. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always going to go for like the goth character because I'm so sick of goth characters being, you know, really badly portrayed with yeah. really bad eyeliner. Like, I'm sorry, but goths are so much better at eyeliner than that. I'm sorry. I mean, all the practice they put in. <laughs> and it just... Like when she's sitting there, like throwing the stones and telling this one's fortune about the stone, and you're yeah. just like, "What is this? This is so embarrassing!" Like this is cringy wannabe. I'd expect this from the '90s, but not from like 2013. I was surprised that it was 2013. I have to say, mm. um, and hadn't it been a remake of? Yes, it was. Before? Yeah, I didn't watch the original because I just didn't have a want to. To be honest. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just like yourself, it was just too much at the same time. It's too much beat, like they threw a load of shit to the wall and hoped that something stuck yeah. and nothing did. Yeah. And it just the glowy stones felt weird and oh right. And then you know what scene really made me cringe where one of them is having sex and all of them has the orgasm, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like uh no no teenage boy is making a high school girl orgasm i'm sorry but that is just that is very unbelievable um, uh and it, it, but but then as well even though we're we're kind of giggling away and laughing at it some of it was kind of disturbing because you know yes. the reason why the, you know the reason why she wants uh revenge and stuff like that so um and then you know the 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 kind of main is the captain of the football team like the real villain here like mm. the, the way he treats women and stuff like that so it's this thing where you're kind of giggling away at some of the stuff that they're doing or you know even that kind of sex scene in the bathroom was like mm. kind of you're going oh my god this is slightly mortifying yeah. but then it cut into you know how he's violent towards women and you're like mm. i don't know what what I'm supposed to feel. I don't know yeah. what I don't know what the filmmaker's intention is for how I'm supposed to feel. Am I yeah. supposed to be, you know, can I go so wildly from oh my god, that's horrible too? Ha 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 ha. You yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. I felt cool. like they were trying to say something really serious about male violence, especially when it happens to teenagers. Because that's not mm. something that's kind of talked about a lot. That yes, there is domestic violence that occurs in teenage relationships. Um and, you know, unfortunately, sexual assault and rape happens. But I felt like they took this super serious subject and made these, like, almost superhero girls and, like, a supervillain boy 
And it just, it didn't quite hit the target of what they were trying to say because it was too yeah. cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. And while I think there was definitely ways they could have gone about it that were a bit more serious and coherent and kind of really drove the point home, it just didn't work because of the characterization and what was actually going on with these fecking stones. Like, yeah. no, like no wonder it didn't get a sequel. Like, there was meant to be, because obviously at the end we get <laughs> this, there's going to be an all cheerleaders die too and... And it does never it, got the sequel. Like, like part one or something. Is that how they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and it just never happened because, well, why would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it also was making me think, you know, because this was a remake of a film that a remake of a film that the two filmmakers had actually made yeah. like years ago, and they were going, you know, I think they're saying um because it was shot in video and it was so amateur, they're going, oh, we'd love to try it again. And you're like, if that's your second attempt at a I'm not very, yeah. don't have that much hope for your third attempt. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, just give up. Just just stop. Yeah. If it didn't work the second time, just stop. Um, how do you think, okay, this is just an idea that popped into my head, yeah. if it had kept with like this video found footage style? Because that's what I thought at the beginning, because she's shooting footage. I was like, mm. what if they carried on with this? Do you think that might have been a bit more effective? For sure. I think, you know, at start, as I was saying, I thought it was going to be this kind of like funny, bitchy, bring it on behind the scenes kind of thing. And I think that could have worked. Um, it was one of those, you know, sometimes with found footage films, the the graininess or the 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 poor special effects mm-hmm. kind of works with it. Um, what happened was when this went from the found footage to glossy, like the those glowing stones like flowing through the air, like just looked terrible. So... <laughs> But there was, I think that's a great idea that you had, mm. but I wonder if the filmmakers would have the talent to actually carry it off. <laughs> yes, I just like thinking about the stones. I've never hated an inanimate object so much in my whole entire <laughs> life that I do these stones. Um, just, yeah, I yeah, I think if they'd gone a different way, like a different sub you know, method of filming. Um, I think it would have been better. It would have been slightly more effective. But unfortunately, I yeah, I just it just didn't work for me and I'm sad. I'm very sad about it. Um because it's a great title. <laughs> it is. It's a great title. Like I thought it's gonna be real like tongue in cheek kind of, yeah. you know, silliness and especially when the opening line is um cheerleading is the most dangerous sport. So I was like, okay, it's going to be cheerleading and how, you know, everyone goes on about the football team and blah, 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 blah. But it's actually cheerleading that's the real dangerous sport. Um, And I really think would have enjoyed that angle. Like I know they were going for, you know, everyone praises the football team and they get away with shit yeah, because they're the football team. We've seen it portrayed millions of times. It happens in real life. But I just... I just don't think they carried it out well, unfortunately. So I take it you wouldn't recommend this to people. Oh, I wouldn't, unfortunately. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I definitely would be recommended to my sister the next time she texts. <laughs> Imagine if you didn't. She was like, that was a really good film. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wouldn't recommend it. Unless, oh, unless yeah. you want to get high and watch glowy stones. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Um yeah, I'm very sorry that I picked this. I wish I, there was actually, you know, I saw a list 
and there was a baseball themed um horror on there i kind of wish i'd gone for the baseball themed horror but sherlock listen (laughs) (laughs) you live and you learn yeah exactly exactly um so such a stupid question but i ask it everyone which one would you choose over the other? I know, I know the answer, but look. <laughs> same, same. Um, so talking of sport horror, we've already kind of touched on it, but what do you think you'd like to see from like sport horror? Is there any particular thing that you think perhaps after this discussion, you'd be like, actually, I want to see this. I want to see the film that you were saying that this could be. <laughs> I want to see the found footage cheerleader film. That's what I want. But exactly <laughs> what you said, there's something uh, I want to see. Um, you should work in commission because I really want to see a good cheerleader horror film right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose, well, you know, for somebody, I would have. So I don't really like watching sport in general. Like I was on the school running team, but I don't know. You know, if you could do much with, like, there's running in horror films anyway, so I don't know if you need a themed running film. So uh, it's kind of thing where, like, I don't think there's a sport, apart from the cheerleading thing, I don't think there's a sport that I'm interested enough in Mm. watching that I would want to watch a full film of it. How about you? (laughs) I can't, like, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of all sports, and, like, we said about the hurling earlier, but then I remembered that Conor McMahon, in quite a few of his films, he has Death by Hurl. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Um, there's obviously there's. Do you remember the film Swim Fan? Yes. So there yeah. was one. I should have got that one. Damn it. Yeah. Um, it's like yeah, a teen fatal attraction. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually did. I watch it again recently. That's how memorable it was. I can't even remember if I've watched it recently or not. No, you know what? I read an article about it. That's that's what it was, <laughs> and I felt like I watched it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing really... I mean, we've got stuff like when people go climbing. I've seen a few films. There was one recently in Fright Fest and possibly the year before about rock climbing. Um, So I feel like they're kind of out there, but none of them are, like, horrific, horrific. Yeah. Like, enough or, like, scary enough. Because, like, you think of sports and you're like, eh. (laughs) Yeah. And then when I was kind of trying to pick a film to watch, there was some that had really tenuous links that I was going would I get away with that but like this one I know I wouldn't now but there's one set on a ski lift oh called, yeah yeah which I thought was really good yeah um, I've seen that one yeah yeah there was some great moments in that but then I was going yeah that's a that's more like you know a commute on the way to a sport <laughs> rather than a sport <laughs> we need one that is like proper proper sports rather than being like this person plays sport we need a proper like <laughs> set in like a football team's locker room or at yeah. a game or you know isn't there, isn't there like a, I haven't seen it now but isn't there is I think it's a South American zombie film called One Goal of the Dead or something oh yeah I've seen yeah, it maybe yeah. maybe yeah. that would be interesting mm. um yeah we we can only live in hope <laughs> um <laughs> so uh thank you for so so much and coming on and, and chatting about sports yeah. related ish yeah, films yeah. um <laughs> before we go i always ask my guests what is your favorite horror film Ooh. hard one i know i know unless there's you're me always- <laughs> <laughs> there's always like three that i trot out mm-hmm. um would i get away with mentioning three or yeah do I have- go for it go yeah. for it well, well, the Innocence won because mm. it's, you know, that kind of had the big impact yeah. on me. 
then even though I know the 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 problematic background behind it, like Rosemary's Baby, I think mm-hmm. is perfect, perfect. Mm-hmm. I could watch it again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And then my uh, last one is The Fog, the John Carpenter one. I think that kind of really, that's really influenced yeah. me as a writer. You know, Adrian Barbeau up in that lighthouse over the radio has influenced more of my writing than yeah. I think anything else that I've ever yeah ever seen yeah i've never seen the fog um it's oh, i love it you know and uh there's even in the the, the petrified series there's kind of i've i've, I've never really said it because i wanted to see if people would get it but there's an episode that's directly influenced by the fog there's even okay. like you know character names and stuff like that so yeah anyone will get it but yeah it's just it's so lovely and so yeah. you know i've just seen uh Janet Lee and Jamie Lee Curtis like mm-hmm. in the same film together and stuff yeah. like that lovely yeah um uh, what was your favorite horror film be mine's the exorcist ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what are you thinking about the big reboot that they're going to be releasing this year oh I'm very nervous because it was done by the same guy that did the Halloween uh, yeah. trilogy and I did not enjoy them so I'm I'm very very nervous I will reserve judgment I don't want to be that bitch who's like meh because um, I do enjoy reboots, you know. I've I've enjoyed the Evil Dead reboots. I've you know, so I'm not I'm not that kind of way inclined. But I'm very 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 nervous about it. Um, I mean, and exactly for the reason you said, I I didn't think the Halloween reboot was up to much at all, even though it was a big. Yeah, I just feel like there's certain films that don't need reboots mm-hmm. and don't need remakes. And I think The Exorcist is one. I know. Did they do a remake of Rosemary's Baby? They did. They did like was it a TV a, show. I want yeah. to say it was a TV show, yeah, but oh my god, it was like a two-parter, awful. And they'd yeah. yeah, they kind of sucked the life out of it. Did although they did well, uh, I wonder if you'll agree they did like a a TV series of The Exorcist. And they I thought, did, yeah. And I thought the first series was actually kind of good. I yeah. liked the first Great series, moments. yeah, yeah, because I really enjoyed the connection to the original film time, and how yeah. they didn't try to. But I think I tried to watch the second one because John Cho was in it. I love yeah. John Cho. And I just, I just couldn't do it. I was like, oh, we don't need this. Like, we don't need this. Like, I eventually got through, like, got through it, but it took months. I was like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. But the first series I thought was, yeah, yeah. look. Mm. Yeah. So I will reserve my judgment, but I'm very, very nervous about it. So where can people find you if they would like to do so online? uh well they can find so if you want to follow the podcast it's um so on twitter and instagram it's petrified underscore pod and then um i am on uh, instagram as pete tombstones being a big cliche you know <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's how they can get me yeah <laughs> so that was my chat there with peter dunn about sports in horror films and we talked about the faculty from 1998 as well as 2013's all cheerleaders die uh what did you think of this week's episode do you think there are better films out there that have to do with sports um please recommend them to me they seem to be very far uh not far few uh few in number um, and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to me on. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter at what underscore scream as well as Instagram at what a scream. And I hope 
everyone is doing fantastically. Um, I was very lucky last Friday. Um, I got to go along to the BFIs in conversation with Dario Argento, led by Prano Bailey Bond, as myself and Michael Blythe chatted about last week. Um, and that was absolutely fascinating. And thank you to the BFI for having me. Um, yes, I hope everyone is doing well. And don't forget to stay horrific. Goodbye.